Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to the February 17th edition of the Refresh and Restore podcast. Today we're continuing our study of Jesus overall in the book of Colossians. And in the second week of looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. So let's look at those verses again. God's word says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Greetings, Sojourners. Welcome back to our study of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. We started with the passage we just looked at last week with the understanding that it would take us a few weeks to work our way through it. So to refresh our memories and keep our study in its correct context, let's do a little bit of a recap today. Uh, Colossians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, is Paul letting the church at Colossae know what he's been praying for them and why he's praying for them. We even broke this section down into smaller chunks to help us wrap our head around it and to see the impact that Paul's prayer for the Colossians here can have on the church today. So last week, verses 3 through 8 we saw that Paul thanks God often for what he's heard about the church at Colossae, their faith in Christ, their love for each other, and the hope that they find in him alone 
because of the gospel bearing fruit in their midst. Today, we'll be digging into verses 9 through 12 at how Paul prays specifically for them, uh, for their continued growth in knowing God and walking with him so they can continue the gospel's work in Colossae. And then next week, we'll look at verses 13 and 14 that show, that'll show us how Paul reminds them that the gospel they have believed is the basis for their faith in Christ and the basis for his prayer for them. And that gospel is enough to combat the false teaching they are encountering. As I said today, we're going to be diving into verses 9 through 12 at the specific things that Paul was praying for God's Spirit to do in the lives of the Colossian church. And hopefully we'll see what we should be praying for the church at large and especially the local churches to which God has called us. So let's dive in here and look at this. Uh, kind of want to call this a prayer worth continuing, but definitely a prayer worth not ceasing, not stopping. And so all of the aspects of what Paul prayed for them flows out of the why that we looked at last week. Since Paul had heard of their faith in Jesus Christ, the love that they had for all the saints, and the hope they knew was laid up for them in heaven, that knowledge, that testimony of their relationship with Christ is what motivated Paul to continually pray for them. I love the way that he words this in verse 9. He says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. This is a beautiful picture of the relationship and care between believers that's supposed to exist because of our common faith in, in Jesus Christ. Today, as we walk through what Paul and those who were serving with him prayed for the church at Colossae, let this study move you to pray for your church to help keep our prayers grounded in the Word and what God's Spirit wants for His church, explanations are going to be minimized and going to list some cross-references for each prayer request. When I say cross-references, I mean letting the Bible be commentary on the Bible. So we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture that will help us to understand what Paul was praying and hopefully move our hearts to pray for the same thing. After all, how much better could our lives be if God granted this prayer, giving us these characteristics of a life that is pleasing to God, a life that's dependent on his power and overflowing with fruitful thankfulness because of everything that he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to be walking through these phrases, these prayer requests, these things that Paul prayed for the church, and we'll begin in verse 9 with asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We've got several verses that fit with this, and just kind of list them sequentially here. Uh, the first is in the book of Colossians. We'll start within that same book to give the most immediate context. 
Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We'll move out from the book of Colossians to one of its sister books, uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, looking at one seventeen and then 5.17. Ephesians one seventeen says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Then Ephesians 5.17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, Now 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Finally, Proverbs 3.5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So with this prayer request here at the beginning of verse 9, it's a request for God to fill the Colossian believers with his knowledge, knowledge that comes from his gospel and grows through his spirit inside of them. Part of the reason for this request is for the knowledge of God and his will to counteract and overpower whatever false teaching is occurring in Colossae. But we all need to be filled with this knowledge of his will and to be able to interpret it with the wisdom that comes from his Holy Spirit to understand based on the new life we have in Christ and his indwelling spirit rather than with our own worldly brains and and earthly experience. So for us, let us pray that God would grant us knowledge according to his word that shows us his will. Let us ask him to help us to rely on the wisdom and understanding of his spirit instead of leaning on our own understanding. The next request that Paul makes comes at the beginning of verse 10, where it says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Got two verses, two cross references for this request. The first is Ephesians chapter four, verse one. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then Philippians 1.27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. To understand this particular prayer request requires a little bit of understanding and context regarding the original language, the original words. 
So when it says to walk here, it's referring to one's manner of life. If you look at the way that you see it here in Colossians and then in the Ephesians verse and Philippians verse, you can see how those relate to one another. But it also relates back to the command of Jesus for his disciples to follow him. If you look in the written copy of this, I've got a link here to all of the times just in the Gospels where Jesus calls people to follow him. But you also need to understand that what we have here translated as the English word worthy, that's not a reference to our value for him to save us or our ability to save ourselves. The original word had a connotation of being suitable or fitting. It referred to one's walk showing evidence of actually following Christ. This was important to the church at Colossae, and it's very important in our churches today. And it only occurs, it only happens when our own lives reflect the gospel that our mouths proclaim. But there's a catch. It's not based solely on actions that can be observed by man because it requires a new heart that can only be observed by God. And what would that be like if the content of our lives would be pleasing to Jesus like that? So let us pray for God to make our hearts and our lives match, to make our walk match our proclamation, our preaching. And let us pray that the knowledge of his will that we gain from his word would impact our lives in such a way that people will be able to recognize that we are walking with Jesus. Our third prayer request to look at here is bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it continues on in verse 10. Got several passages here, two that are a little bit longer, but I think they're very important because they come straight from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, the first one will go back to verse 6 in chapter 1 that we looked at last week where it says, talking about the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Next, we look at Jesus's words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 verses 16 through 20. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Then we have Jesus 
um, in the, some of the last things that he said to his disciples in John 15, verses 1 through 6. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And then probably the most famous passage on bearing fruit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Hopefully by now you've noticed that these prayer requests build on each other. There's no way to do one of them without God having granted the former. For example, walking a walk that's fitting for a believer requires knowing what God wants a believer to walk like. And this request is a little tougher because it requires a bit of pruning. Ultimately, the idea of bearing fruit's a metaphor, but it's one that's important for us to understand. Paul's already used it in Colossians chapter 1 to describe how the gospel bore fruit in the Colossian church and that its message was bearing fruit all over the world. See that in verses 5 and 6. So the Colossians would be able to connect with what he's praying for them. To bear fruit is for what's inside of us to produce outside, outer results. So when we talk about walking in a manner worthy of, of the Lord, that's fruit of the new life in Christ Jesus. Yes, good works can be fake or can be faked, but what's inside will always, always show out in the end. If you just thought of a particular person who's not you when you read that, you really need to know that the same is true for you too. What's inside of you is going to show out in the end. The verses that we just looked at, those four cross-references, they should, especially the ones that Jesus, God himself, spoke about show us the importance of this. The kind of fruit that one bears indicates what kind of tree they are or what kind of tree they aren't. See, our churches need regular pruning to make sure that God's fruit, and that's singular, there's no and here, no conjunction. It's just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all one singular fruit together. 
It shows the inward change that's happened because none of those, I mean, you, you look at that, what, what people think of as a list, that, that collective fruit of the Spirit, we can't do any of those individually and especially can't do it collectively because those things aren't natural to sinful humans. So for us, let us pray that God helps us recognize whether or not we're bearing fruit and deal with the reality that a lack of fruit may be indicating for us. Let us pray that we have a desire to bear fruit not only in completing good work for Christ, but increasing our knowledge. And when I say knowledge, I'm talking about intimacy here, not academics. Increasing in our knowledge, our knowing of Jesus. Next prayer request from the beginning of verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. First cross-reference, and you see most of these sections have one from Ephesians. They, they, they go very well together. Both were prison epistles where Paul wrote these toward the end of his life. Same with Philippians. But we see here Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And we have Philippians 4, 10 through 13. We're probably very familiar with 13, but you need 10, 11, and 12 to get the correct context. Paul says here, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we have Paul talking uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 where he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about the illustration that Jesus gave uh, in, in John 15 of people being able to do nothing if they're not connected to him, that no one can bear fruit unless they're connected to the vine. If there's a good work to be accomplished, Jesus provides the strength. If there's an obstacle to be overcome, he provides the boost needed to climb over it. So often, people misunderstand 1 Corinthians 10.13 to mean that God will not give them more than they can handle. 
This particular request here for strength relies heavily on 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Remember how important context is? And it says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul's request for the Colossians is not for them to display their spiritual strength and ability. No, he he recognizes what they're up against and, and prays that God's strength will be what carries them through, giving Christ the glory in the process. He doesn't ask for the Colossians to be successful in a worldly sense, but instead seeks for them to be able to endure whatever trial that they're facing with patience, to be able to hold on to the joy that comes from Christ alone from what we saw in verse 5, the hope laid up for them in heaven. So let us ask the same thing for ourselves, for God to supply his strength to help, because our own strength is not enough. For God to magnify himself in our weaknesses and accomplish so much more than anyone would ever think we could do by ourselves. What a glorious revival would come if we as individuals, and especially in our churches, relied solely on the power of God's Spirit to complete His mission and not on anything else. The last prayer request comes from verse 12, and it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Got two cross-references here. Of course, one's from Ephesians 3, 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then in Acts twenty six eighteen, in Paul's testimony of Jesus' calling on him, where Jesus tells him that he's called him to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul's last request here is what will truly occur once all the others have been granted. And that occurrence is thankfulness. Once God has saved us, once he has turned us from dark toward his light, from Satan's power to the finished work of Jesus Christ, once we have grown in the knowledge of him and his will, once our manner of life is fitting for one following Jesus and and we've been pruned to bear his fruit and are running under Holy Spirit power, not our own steam, there is no other result than thankfulness. Y'all, if we're in Christ, we've moved from the wages of our sin, death, to sharing in the inheritance of the saints in light. So we should pray as Paul did for our own churches. We should pray it for ourselves. Let's, Let's do that. There are a few things that are on my mind as I wrap up this week's study. Uh, Three things, actually. First off, y'all, honestly, I am scared to death to pray these things for myself. What if God answers them with a resounding yes? I, I look at my life 
and see the changes that need to happen, that will happen as I grow closer to Christ. And and my fear of praying these things gives way to faith in him who does the changing. So, y'all, I get it. I recognize the changes that need to be taking place that are not, just as I'm sure the same is in your life. I want you to know I'm praying these things to happen for you, and I'm praying on whether you want them or not. And so if you don't like that, um, you you, you want to let out your animosity that I'm praying for God to change your life, feel free to get your revenge by praying the same thing for me too. Second, I know that the local church God has called me and my family to be a part of, that's uh, Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. It's not perfect. And if God grants these prayer requests, it's going to change. And it might not feel like I'm used to it feeling. That's a good thing. I also pray that God's Spirit's going to give us a good swift kick in our comfort zones and do a little uncomfortable pruning so his church, and you know, several times I said, my church, your church, our church, y'all, it's his church. And and if we pray these things, and we should, his church will bear his fruit. Third, I know that some of you probably don't have a church home right now. COVID is still a thing. We've had all these different variants. Your old church was probably full of hypocrites and sinners, and everybody just didn't do like they ought to do. But y'all, we need a local body of believers to stir us up to the good works we need to be doing to keep us in check and focused on Jesus' return. All the people who hold me accountable are, are at Christ's community. And it ticks me off to no end when they have to hold me accountable, but that's because pruning hurts. But if you don't get pruned, you're never going to know if you're a thistle, a thorn bush, or a Galatians 5 tree. If you're not planted in a grove of other believers, <sighs> You're not going to bear fruit. You need to let that sink in because, you know, Christianity, walking with Christ, is not for spectators, and it ain't for solo artists either. It exists in the communities God plants because that's how he decided to do it. So as I close out today, I urge you, pray for God to do these things in your life. Pray for him to do them in your church, know that I'm praying for you, and I love you, and if I can serve you in any way, let me know. Hallelujah, and God bless. We thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout, on our website, JustKeithHarris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. And if you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.